Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we had not one, but two brand new episodes for you. In the first, I was joined by Morton from Gatehouse Maritime, a market-leading ocean tech brand that are delivering next-generation data insights for end-to-end ocean visibility. It was a real pleasure to talk to Morton. I could really relate to everything he said about how quickly technology is changing and how organizations are still struggling a little bit to keep up. I mean, I know that will resonate with many of you listening as well. And it was also really refreshing to hear his vision for optimizing supply chains and really changing the working lives of freight forwarders and logistics tech providers with incredible data and visibility. The second new episode we released last week was episode 31 of Blended, and we talked all about education. Now, this is a topic that has cropped up a number of times over the last couple of years in conversations about everything from class and inclusion to veterans and discrimination. So it was time that education had an episode of its own. The panel and I talked about access to education, bias, hiring and retention policies, alternative ways to measure success, and we all shared our personal experiences. And as always, it was a real eye-opener and absolutely essential listening for all supply chain leaders out there. So I hope you enjoyed both of these episodes. Remember that if you missed them, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. Gatehouse Maritime was episode 333, and Blended was episode 334. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Onboard new EDI trading partners in days, not months, with Orderful. Orderful provides a modern EDI platform that is displacing legacy on-premise and managed service solutions. Stop building point-to-point solutions. If you are a retailer, manufacturer, logistics provider, or technology company, you can build a single integration to Orderful's API, and Orderful will validate, translate, and communicate transactions to all of your trading partners. Orderful customers are onboarding new trading partners 80% faster, resulting in increased revenue and lower overall EDI costs. To modernize your EDI infrastructure, visit Orderful, O-R-D-E-R-F-U-L dot com and speak to an EDI expert today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm shaking things up and sharing one of my favorite recent episodes of Thoughts and Coffee with you. In this episode, I'm joined by a really exciting industry writer who loves bringing us the scoop on the future of logistics from emerging tech 
to the final frontier. Do you know who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, whether you have them or not, are you willing to hire someone with visible tattoos? We had 653 votes. 85% of you said, of course. 13% of you said, not sure. And 2% of you said, other. And now the comments are so amazing. So Leah, I want to say, of course, but I think it bears stating, of course, as long as those tattoos are not offensive, racist, etc. Tom says, I second your opinion, Leah. Some body art is very nice. Some is a little over the top. But if a person wants to cover their blank page with tattoos, who am I to decide for them? David says, clearly it depends on what the tattoo is and position size, etc. The fact that the question has been posed suggests that 100% acceptance and global cultural acceptance is not unilaterally in place. Hence, this needs to be considered and reasonable judgment for all parties, employees, employers, customers, wider stakeholders. Sill says, I love my tattoos. Having spent the first half of my adult life in the military and then in corporate finance, I'm quite over the concept of what the old boys club finds appropriate. For me, the reality is that if you don't want me and my tattoos in the room, I probably don't want to be in that room either. Audria, tattoos, visible or not, do not define the candidate. On the contrary, tattoos tell a story that is so intimate to that person. Isn't that so true? Like, think about wanting to get to know somebody, and this is a visible way to be able to do that. Leah says, oh, and I do love my visible tattoos. Susan says, is this still a thing? Well, apparently, because we've still got 12% that said not sure. And Mike, likely mandatory for supply chain. You have to know who can handle the pain. Such a great note to end that on. Now, all of you know that we ask a question of the week or do a poll of the week every single Wednesday morning across our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn and Instagram. So head on over and we will feature you on an upcoming episode. Thank you so much to everybody who participated in the poll of the week for this one. Now back to today's episode and which exciting writer and editor joined me on Thoughts and Coffee? Well, it's Ryan Duffy. Ryan and I had a really fascinating discussion. He is the former managing editor of Payload and Payload comes out with a newsletter all about space. And if you'd ever wondered about the incredible world of space logistics, then this is the episode for you. We talked all about NASA's plans to start the first Gateway Logistics mission later this year, we reflected on the stats that show the market is already expected to generate nearly $20 billion, and we explored the possible impact on geo-shipping due to the loss of Antonov airplanes. You need to stay up to date on the rapidly evolving space logistics sector, so get ready to launch. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Good. How are you, Sarah? I am so excited to finally have you on. We've been trying to get this done, I think, for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been logistically, it's been, been tough. But let me, let me just say that I, uh, from one show host to another, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with, with that intro and the production and everything. You, you run a tight ship, which I suppose should, should be no surprise for a, uh, for, for a supply chain show. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do? Um, and um, give us a little bit of an update as to where we are with space logistics in the industry right now. Yeah, so Ryan Duffy, managing editor of Payload. We are a new, new-ish 
digital media brand covering the space industry for space professionals um, and, and, and for folks in government uh, working on, on, on space policy or at, at space agencies. So it's a very concentrated audience. Yeah. Our primary product is a, a daily newsletter uh, about all the goings on, um, on and off, off Earth as it relates to the space industry. We also publish a, a podcast called Pathfinder, which is hosted by by yours truly. And then we publish a, um, a weekly science newsletter called Parallax. So those are our key sort of uh, touch points with our audience. So yeah, digital, digital media all the way up and down. I and then that. to this, to the second point, uh, to your second question, we like, what, what's the, the state of play um, in, uh, in, in, in space and supply chains? Well, it's, it's uh, not ideal. I would say like I have a fun, not maybe not, not so fun game, but for every, for all the uh, public publicly traded companies that we cover um, that are in the aerospace and defense world um, that have, you know, sizable space businesses, it's like every single, unfortunately, like most of them um, still every single quarter, like hit, hit the uh, supply chain, um, hit the supply chain, like uh, bingo on, on, on your bingo card. Um, so, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been difficult, but behind the scenes, I mean, to, for, for any of the, the, the rockets that some of your your viewers may have seen, like the SpaceX rockets, um, uh, of course, like the Artemis mission that that launched uh, that NASA NASA launched last year. For any of that behind the scenes, there's um, there's a lot of of logistics uh, that go that go into everything from and and manufacturing, testing, integrating, and it it, it you know it involves it, in the United States. It's every single state. Uh, is, is involved in this in this industry in some way, shape, or form, and then the 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 amount of uh, machine like machine shops, for example, uh, across the U.S. It's like distributed into the thousands. Um, so so yeah, there, there there's a lot more than than meets the eye when when you see a, a shiny shiny rocket launch. Well, and I can't wait to dive a little bit more deeper into this. I have so many questions, and I'm sure our audience has a lot of questions as well. So I want to um, encourage everybody because you've got Ryan for the next, I don't know, 20 minutes. Um, there's a lot going on in space logistics. Make sure to put your questions in the comments. I'm having trouble seeing my personal uh, LinkedIn stream. So go to the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn stream, put in your questions, and we're definitely going to answer those as well. Before we go into some of these articles, though, I do want to talk a little bit about the poll question that we asked our community last week. We do a poll question every single Wednesday. In your opinion, what is the best supply chain management software? So 45% of you said demand forecasting, which is really interesting because that's probably going to be one of the essential ones to space logistics, but probably more down the road. 29% of you said supply management and 23% of you said warehouse management. And I think that supply management is probably um, very um, real in uh, space logistics right now. But for you, what are you, what are you seeing as the software being essential to space logistics right now? Yeah, that's a good question. So there's a few companies. Um, I think one one I'll, I'll shout out. I'll shout out one just because we've uh, we've actually had the CEO Laura on our, on our show, like Epsilon Three, that does end to end mission mission management that type of thing. Because surprisingly, or maybe even ironically, you know, space is cutting edge technology, and 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 
these like this groundbreaking technology in science, but in a lot of cases and for a lot of missions, it's still like managed in a very analog fashion with like mm-hmm. pen and paper in some cases or or um, Excel uh, or, or, or Word. So it's it's pretty crazy. But I think I think uh, thinking through this a little bit more creatively, there are a lot of tools um, coming coming to prominence for tracking uh, active and inactive so so um objects uh in orbit uh and and just getting a baseline understanding of where everything is but then also you know helping operators plan collision avoidance um figure out like communicate who, who's going to to uh to potentially uh, maneuver so that their satellites don't don't hit so um so i think that is i think that's really really important and then yeah i mean i, I think that that if it, it, you know in the industry like one of the the two hot like kind of acronym heavy buzzwords are like space traffic management and situational awareness. Um, so, so essentially just getting a better lay of the land and, and understanding of what is going on in low earth orbit, because most of what to date has been happening in low earth orbit is, is focused on earth. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, I mean, some of those things we do here on Earth, um, but it sounds like now we really need to map out what that looks like in space. Who's out there? What's out there? What could actually be moved or not moved or, you know, that's going to fly by, I guess, if you're actually in space. And so let's get to our first article. Now, I don't pretend to know anything about space or space logistics. Like I said, this is um, a topic that is near and dear to Audrey's heart, who Audrey is my trade bestie, and she's usually on the show every couple of weeks. So she's going to have a lot to say, I think, when she comes on next week. But this particular article, the loss of Antonov pl- uh, planes may have geo-shipping impact. And what it talks about is alternative shipping methods because the space industry is actually being impacted by supply chain issues as well. Um, and it's because obviously what's happening in Russia and Ukraine right now. So how do aircrafts help to move those geosatellites? What is a geosatellite and where are they moving it from and to? for, you know, because this is part of space logistics. I mean, when we think about space logistics, we think about it being in space, but obviously there's some stuff that we're doing on Earth that is also disrupting some of uh, what we can do out in space as well. Yeah. So to start with the, like, I think the basics are the most abstract. Uh, Geosatellites are in geostationary orbit, um, 22,000 and change miles overhead. So it's you know orders of, orders of magnitude more difficult, more costly, uh, that and, and you just more more complex than, um, than than the satellites that you, that you hear about in, in low Earth orbit or LEO, commonly known as LEO. These are also like I I, I, I refer to them as as like beasts because they are they are way heavier than than those other satellites, the smaller ones I was mentioning in LEO. They are designed to to last, you know, in some cases 15 to 20 years. Um, so so they have quite long lifespans. And if you actually like visualize it, essentially they're like parked uh, from they're very far away, but they're they're parked uh, above above a con- uh, like a continent essentially providing services. And so that's why they're they're known as, as geostationary. Um, but yes, so Given the given how you know important, uh, but also costly and, and complex they are, the 
there, there's 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 particular interest interest from like corners of this industry and as and and for me um you know as as, as the editor of payload into how the how the satellites like what going from zero to one and and everything up until launch uh looks like in addition of course to the next stage which is launch and right of launch but yeah these i mean these satellites i, I can't stress enough they're 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 huge they're super expensive and um, yeah, you you really you really don't want anything going wrong before you before you even get to the launch pad. Absolutely, and so they're talking about like obviously these are generally moved by air, but they need a specialized aircraft, and that's why the Antonov is used. However, because they're grounded or potentially destroyed because of what's happening right. over in Eastern Europe, it's having an impact as to how they're actually moving. Now NASA itself has said that there's not really too much impact. They're looking at shipping them by ocean freight. They've talked about something called the Pegasus barge, which I've never even. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things when I was reading about this that I've never heard some of these terms. So what is the impact of this? They talked about how ocean freight will obviously add 10 to 12 days. But what is the ultimate domino effect, the ultimate impact to space logistics getting these satellites up because of the supply chain issues? Well, it's the uh, the opportunity cost of, of what the... The, the satellites um, or, 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 or constellations that they're a part of, what, what services they would be providing. And so, you know, uh, 10 or 15 days here, here and there doesn't, doesn't sound like a lot, but on the, on, on at various other ends of the kind of manufacturer uh, integration, uh, you know, parts like, like literally just assembly stage uh, sourcing parts. Uh, there's been delays too, as, as we talked about a little bit at the top of the show. And when you add all that up, it, you know, it can get it can get become become quite a compounding issue, and we are seeing that unfortunately for certain uh, s- certain specific like constellations as well as uh, civil civil space programs. Um, but yes, the the Antonov story was 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 quite fascinating, I think, uh, and 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 you know, I'm honest, obviously uh, a, a sad story because of yeah. Russia's invasion and and the effect. Um, that, that that has had on like that has had a very very pronounced direct effect on on some elements of the space industry uh, this these these big planes which which literally in in some cases are like the only in the world that can carry these some of these satellites uh, a lot of them are out of commission of course and then an, another like kind of esoteric thing that I'm I'm sure we're probably uh, relatively new or, or, or unexpected to your viewers is this is I, I think I would qualify this as supply chain, but I'd be interested to hear what you think. But uh, essentially, like there's there's the xenon and krypton gas, um, most of which it, which was used in in space satellite propulsion. And the, the prices of it have like quadrupled or, or 10x. I'm, I'm somewhere somewhere between that range. Um, don't don't quote me on either on either end. But but effectively, you know, the, the prices have skyrocketed because the, the vast share of those gases, the noble gases are sourced from Ukraine or Russia. So. Oh. Um, yeah, so there, there's there's a lot of monkey wrenches beyond sort of all like the the force majeure type stuff that we've seen since since COVID. Well, and it's interesting to think about um, what supply chain professionals are going through on Earth 
and with supply chains here on Earth are actually the same disruptions and things that supply chain professionals in space logistics are dealing with as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Now, the second article that we're going to talk about, NASA plans to start work this year on first gateway logistics mission. Now, what does this mean? (laughs) It talks about moving several tons of cargo, but also, I guess, removing trash and bringing the trash back down to Earth. I don't know, because usually when we think about uh, logistics, a truck goes full with product, right? And then we don't want it to come back empty, so we would hope that it comes back full of product. I don't know if we want it to come back full of trash and where are we going to put that, but talk to us about what this cargo is. What are they moving several tons of? What is the trash that they're getting rid of? And an interesting quote in here is logistics is the shortest pull. Like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. So taking the last one first, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, 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 what sure, uh, that means I honestly haven't set up a tent. Uh, this might go over some people's like there's a if you look at the overall Artemis architecture, logistics is the shortest pole in the tent from a development standpoint. Um, <laughs> I have not I have not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't set up a tent in like a few years. So that that, <laughs> that reference is like going over my head. But totally yeah. over my head. too. <laughs> uh, Gateway is is um is like you know the the easiest i I think analogy would be that it's like the international space station but uh, in a lunar orbit so this is also kind of a logistical backstory that's that's kind of playing out in space right now but low earth orbit is in the process of being it, it, it is it is you know it's being commercialized there are companies that that can close the business case operating there and so nasa uh primarily nasa with along with other other agencies around the world are 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 handing off uh leo which is i mean that that's that's a little bit uh that's a little bit i mean that that kind of reduces it a a, a bit a little bit simplistic but but essentially they're pushing they're pushing out into deeper space uh into the the cis lunar economy which means you know in in um near near the moon um between earth earth and the moon and then um you know eventually eventually to mars but yeah the 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 space station, as I mentioned earlier, it, it's in- instructive when you think ahead to how like Gateway will operate. Um, any any experiments that they're that they're doing or flying on on the ISS will need a, a return trip home. That is very expensive. Like the the I, I don't I don't have the number in front of me, but the cost per kilogram to launch something to Leo um, is has, has dropped like precipitously uh over the last decade um and and you know it's more expensive to get to geo as we were talking about earlier it's more expensive it's it's a lot more expensive to get to the moon um to to deliver something into a a lunar orbit so so this will be expensive um but yeah uh i i i couldn't help but like smile when you were when you were walking through this article because the space industry loves to make earth-based uh like like supply chain like logistical analogies in terms of like um, they're called orbital transfer vehicles, but, but folks will call them, uh, space tugs, um, or space, space tow trucks. Um, there, there are, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, but, um, but yeah, the, 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 the trash, it's, it's, it's tough to beat like space trash truck. Well, and we thought supply chain had a lot of acronyms. I mean, <laughs> yeah. holy oh space. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, honestly, that's like half of our. Half of our job in the, in the newsroom is just is just um, deciphering and parsing all these these various acronyms and abbreviations. 
So right now, when we're moving several tons of cargo, we're really moving what satellites and parts? Are we moving? Are we moving stuff up to the space station for the astronauts that are up there? Like, what is the cargo that we're moving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by up mass, which is like all of everything that's sent to space, um, most of its satellites, but. For, for specific missions, like, for example, SpaceX recently launched their 27th cargo run to all-time, all 27th cargo run to the wow. International Space Station. And so that's like 5,000-ish pounds of, of food um, and then and then and, and supplies, uh, and, and in many cases, like hardware, because the, the ISS needs to continuously be updated with, with things like new uh, deployable, like solar arrays and, 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 and other, right. like, uh, upgrades. And then, and then... I think a, a, a big a big part of the manifest is um, is, is scientific experiments as well. So okay. it's it's uh, there, there's there's some some crazy stuff that that goes up to the ISS that that uh, governments or, or or corporations or universities um, they're they're sending to space and going through all the trouble to do in space because of the conditions of microgravity and and what they can learn there um, and 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 bring back uh, to earth because in many many cases like these experiments are indeed being brought back to to earth uh, well there's a lot there's a lot of like bioprinting and so, yeah it, 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 there, there's some pretty pretty crazy uh, use cases up there for the uh, the ISS well and there's no rules and regulations yet I mean just wait yeah. people I mean to move food from the US to Canada I mean it's a really <laughs> big deal I mean let's just wait for those rules and regulations to come in for space right yeah, I mean they can move it now <laughs> But we'll see what happens Now we've got a question what innovative solutions are in space logistics right now what can you pinpoint from us what are people sort of looking at and actually it goes into our next conversation really about what are the opportunities in space logistics. Like if I'm a supply chain professional, what do I need to be learning about? What do I need to be talking about to get into space logistics? Well, Sarah and, and viewers, I'm going to toss two more acronyms at you. Uh, <laughs> OSAM and ISAM, which is, they're the same thing. It's on orbit, like service, uh, assembly, manufacturing, or in space. So, so you know, same same difference. But essentially, it's the, the this next generation of spacecraft and like servicing vehicles that will be able to deorbit trash um it, it inspect or or like modify and dock with uh satellites on orbit um and, and re refuel them that you know there there are a lot of, of applications that are today uh maybe maybe have been proven once or twice on orbit or have yet to be proven but within five years will become you know relatively commonplace and so that will unlock that 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 has the potential, especially for those more valuable satellites that we talked about, um, to to you know extend the value of them and turn them from like stranded assets into assets that are still valuable. Um, and it will also uh, there, there's a massive massive uh, problem brewing in in low Earth orbit with regards to the accumulation of of debris. So that mm. that that kind of like next generation of of, of of servicing vehicles and capabilities is is what I've got my eye on and what I would I would uh, encourage folks to if, if they're interested to, to dive a little bit deeper into well that last article that I just put up there says that 19.8 billion by 2040 is going to be the um, 
accumulative value of space logistics. Now, we just talked about some of the opportunities. In this particular article, it mentions that DHL and USIN Logistics, for anybody who's already in logistics here on Earth, those names will mean something. And you can actually see that those companies are mm-hmm. doing something within this article in space logistics. So if you're interested in space logistics, you might want to go and talk to those companies. But one other thing that caught my eye in this article was last mile space logistics. I was like, we still need to get some of that right here on Earth as last mile logistics, but now we're talking about last mile space logistics. Like, what is that? Yeah, it's it's somewhat somewhat um, somewhat facetious, but but somewhat not. I I would say because there's still there's like like there's still a lot of first mile that needs like literally launching off of Earth. Um, there's, right. there's most companies that are in the launch sector have yet to actually, you know, make it to space. So like, mm-hmm. I think, I, I do think, I do think that it can be a kind of a stretch sometimes talking about last mile. That said, there are, there are a lot of companies, some of which are on this, this, um, this market research that, that we have pulled up that specialize in these uh, space tugs that I was talking about earlier and, um, and very much do kind of, you know, their, their bread and butter is dropping off, like dropping off a, a satellite a spacecraft in, in a desired orbit or at a specific um, inclination. Because a lot of times it'll be like, it's like a party, a uh, ride share of satellites go up and they've got to go to different places. Ride share. So, yeah. There, there are these like, there are these like value add um, uh, integrators or, or launch service providers that will then take them. So, so the last mile, yeah, I, I would say it's like, it's a bit of a stretch, but then also um, in a lot of cases it, it it, it, it fits. Um, it's pretty, pretty on the nose. Well, and it's another innovation that we need to look out for. Absolutely. Now, before we go, I just want to let everybody know where I'm going to be over the next couple of months. So Home Delivery World, I'm actually on stage a couple of times and we are recording podcasts on site. So that's in Philadelphia, June 14th and 15th. So go and register. There's a lot of people going to this one talking about last mile delivery. That's what this one is all about. Plus, we've got all of our live shows no bullshipping with hope white i think that one's coming up this week and so so much more so ryan thank you so much for joining us today i'm sorry i'm a little bit under the weather and that i got kicked out of my computer which is (laughs) so weird like never happens um and just so everybody knows i mean you moved your flight around to make sure that you were on this show today and i want to just give you a shout out on that and appreciate you for doing that because we really wanted to talk about this topic today. So thanks, Ryan, for joining us. And thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me. It was great. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. 
If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. Plus, if you have a supply chain challenge and you're looking for a solution, we have most likely had them on our show and you can find out all about them and whether they're the right fit for you by listening to that episode. So put in your keyword in the search bar at letstalksupplychain.com and find the episodes. And remember to come back next week for this month's episode of our Woman in Supply Chain series sponsored by SAP. You are going to hear all about their journey in how they got into supply chain, how they got into the position that they are today. They're going to be talking all about the advice that they have for other women and new leaders coming up in the industry. And I cannot wait for you to see who it's going to be. And I'm really looking forward to this one. So make sure that you don't miss it. If you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. Plus, you can find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Are you looking for a peer learning group? Well, we have a new brand out called the Secret Society of Supply Chain. And we have peer learning groups for all different levels and stages in supply chain. Head over to the link that we have posted on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, take the quiz and join the waitlist today. We have the Supply Chainers group, the Woman in Supply Chain group. We also have the Creative Room just for marketing professionals in supply chain. We have limited spots available and we're going to be giving away some really, really, really fun stuff. So definitely head over there, join the wait list, and we cannot wait to see you in those groups. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.